Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Haley, for leading us today. You might have noticed Jacob is not with us, nor is Sarah. They have better things going on, like playing with their newborn this morning. So, so yes, we can clap at that. So, yeah. <laughs> Sophia Grace was born early this week. They are home and doing well. And uh, thank everyone for the texts and calls and, and uh uh, acts of compassion and grace on their part, and we, we celebrate with them, and uh, I think all of us are ready to get our hands on little Sophia, but we must wait a little bit in these days, um, but we're excited about it and thankful for her and uh, for the Cincinnati family. Right, let me pray for us this morning. God, we do come to you today needing a word from you. There's brokenness in the world all around us. So much to give thanks for that's good new babies in the world, blessings, any number of things, so much to be concerned about that we must lift to you that is beyond our control. So much we need you for, God, depend on you utterly for. Be with us today, God, as we discuss what it means to pray to you. In your name we pray, amen. We're continuing this series today on cultivating soil. Last week, we talked about the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. That's going to kind of be our guiding text for the next today and two more weeks as sort of the metaphor that we're using of God as the indiscriminate sower, God sowing gospel seeds into our lives and into the world in generous abundance, seeds of grace and forgiveness and mercy and salvation and all of the wonderful things that God gives. So seeds of love, prodigious all around us. And we're talking about today, in the next two weeks, how do we be that healthy soil in that passage that we talked about? How do we try to live in such a way and cultivate practices that help us in as much as we can do anything to not be the rocky soil and not be the thin soil and not be that stone path that the birds steal away, but be that, that deep cropland, that, that deep black loam that turns over. I think, Debbie, it's a plow... I think a tiller is what you walk behind and a plow is what goes behind, but the metaphor played. We all got it. It was well done. Maybe just switch it for tripod. But uh, <laughs> that receives the gospel seeds and produces a yield. We could talk about a lot of things that, that we do for this. Here's a couple things I want to say starting out. This is going to be a real simple sermon. Good, be excited about that. Nothing complicated. Real simple. Harder to follow. We do nothing that makes us holy. So as we talk about practices we will enter into, hear me say very plainly, and I'll say it probably every week, nothing we do actually makes us holier or, or makes us closer to God. What God gives us through scripture, what God gives us through history and experience are practices as God is sowing seeds and God is pouring out his spirit among us, practices that position us to receive what God has to give us. 
We are utterly dependent on the power of God and the spirit of God to do its work in our midst. What we can do is position ourselves through, through some practices of living to receive. It's like when it rains and you've got your potted plant tucked in under the porch. You need to move it out <laughs> to get the rain, to get the sunlight, to get what it needs. Um, otherwise, it doesn't receive it. And so that's really what we're talking about today. In prayer and next week in discipleship and the following week's service, we'll do a lot of this over weeks to come. There's a lot more we can talk about. But today we talk about where it starts with prayer. We're going to do a couple things. Three, four. I'm adding as I go along here. Very simply, because prayer is simultaneously really simple and really easy. There, you cannot really screw up prayer. It's real easy. At the same time, those of you that have been praying as, as experienced in prayer for decades and decades know it can also be really complicated and really difficult, and most of us find it difficult, and so it's, it's something we're going to talk about today. So we're going to peel all that away and really get very simple. What is prayer? Why should we pray? What, and, and then how do we pray, very quickly, and then what happens when we pray? So really four quick questions. This is going to be somewhat like a Bible study, but hopefully it is sermonic in form. But just help us get some handholds. If you are experienced in prayer and need to be refreshed, if you have been a little nervous about prayer, because there's not really a manual on here are the four steps to follow and make sure you get it right every time. Prayer's not like that. Let's back up and think a little bit about this together. So first, what is prayer? Because it's something maybe we just sort of uh, skip over in talking sometime to think a little bit together about what is this that we call prayer? Very simply, prayer is communication with God. Let that sink in for a minute. God has set up the world. God who spoke creation into existence. God that has redeemed humanity, God that has created the, the ever-expanding cosmos This is more massive than any of us can understand and more diverse and more beautiful. God of this magnitude and power comes down into the micro. The God of the macro comes into the micro and says, Dave, Haley, John, I would like you to talk to me. And what's more, I will listen to you. And I will respond to you. This is one of those assertions that Scripture gives us, that Christ gives us, that the church gives us, that very quickly we either need to, kind of determines if we're in or we're out on this whole following Jesus thing. Because if it's true, it's just the most fantastic thing imaginable. That we can take our joys and we can take our, our, our burdens and we can take our anxieties and we can take all that is broken in the world and we don't have to fix it all and we don't have to live with it alone. We have someone, not just someone, we have God of the universe who loves us as a community and as individuals and as all of us so intensely and intimately that he says, come to me like you would your spouse and whisper to me, what bothers you, what your hopes are, and I will hear them. 
Revelation gives us a picture of a vision of what the throne room of God might be. And one of those things it says is that the prayers of God's people are constantly being burned like incense, wafting up before the presence of the elders in Christ and God there in heaven. Prayers are constantly before God. Isn't that an amazing thought? It's counter-rational. It's counter-cultural. We'll feel foolish sometimes doing it as educated, sharp, you know, professional people talking to a God in the air sometimes. But here's the wonderful thing about it. Other belief systems do talk to God at a distance, right? God is on a mountain or God is is died or God is far away from us or God is all powerful and we must grovel and fall down and speak to something that is so far away, we don't know if they will hear us. Through the Spirit, God has come near. When we pray, and sometimes we fall into that, right? We need to pray to something far away. In the spirit of God, God has come closer to us than our very breath. And so when we pray, we are praying to God that's right here. God that not only knows our heart, but is in our heart. We pray like you're whispering to your newborn baby right there, your hopes for their life. We pray to someone who knows us and loves us better than we can ever know ourselves. So this is what prayer is. And it's amazing, even though we struggle to understand it sometimes, as we look back across history, history, anthropologically, almost every system, every civilization has some form of prayer built into it. There's some form of within us crying out for somebody bigger than us, more than us, more powerful us that we reach out to and we pay homage to. There is something of prayer built into our souls that we must pay attention to even as sometimes we struggle with it. So that's a quick glimpse at what is prayer. It's conversation with God. So why should we pray? Well, like many things in our faith, we go back to Scripture. We pray because the people of God, the heroes of the faith passed down to us, prayed. And it's the example we have of what it looks like to follow God. You talk to God and you listen to God. And Jesus commanded us to pray. And so quite simply, that's it. We look at what did Adam and Eve do with God in the beginning? They walked with God in the garden. What is walking with God if not prayer? How did the whole people of God thing begin? It began with a form of prayer of a man named Abraham being willing to listen to a voice he knew not speak to him out of the blue and call him and he responded. It it was a conversation. What is that if not prayer? Moses talked with God in a way the rest of us envy. He would go on retreat with God up on the mountain He would hear from God and move with God in these intimate ways. He argued with God and he cajoled with God for the people and God sometimes listened. David didn't speak with God like that, but he was in communion with God regularly, being molded by God and guided by God and he listened to God. The prophets were inspired in their life of prayer with visions of God. We go into the New Testament and the life of Jesus is just filled with prayer, of him teaching on prayer, him retreating to pray. Even Jesus needed to pray. Isn't that amazing? He taught his disciples how to pray, and all that followed that we have witness of 
prayed. Prayer was what fueled their ministry. Prayer is what fueled the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit around the world that started the church. And so we pray because Scripture teaches us to pray. How do we pray? Here's where the rubber meets the road. It's something to believe in prayer. It's something to really know we need to pray. It's a whole other thing on like a Tuesday morning to start praying because <laughs> you've got stuff going on. None of us like have just hours sitting around with nothing to do. That Well, I might as well pray. There's not much else going on. That's, that's none of our lives. Prayer has to be often literally scheduled. It has to be valued. It has to be prioritized. And it's when that rubber hits the road of doing it, it often becomes difficult and, and we falter and many of us don't have times of intentional prayer in our lives because of that. Well, let's take a little pressure off. Take a little pressure off today. There's no wrong way to pray. And I really believe that. If we come with a heart intent on communicating with God, of speaking to God or hearing to God, there's really no wrong way we can go about that. You know, they have, uh, some of you get up early and, and you read scripture and you may have worship on and, and you spend time asking God for the, the burdens of your heart and praising God and maybe journaling and you get a solid hour, hour and a half and, and that is prayer. That's wonderful. Others of us, we have our Spotify worship list on our way to work. And as we're dropping off kids and trying to get to work and hold it all together, we, we lift up our day before God as we're sitting on 281 in traffic or 1604 or wherever you happen. See, I'm becoming San Antonio and I know these things. I'm really proud of that. And we put our day before God. We say, God, where are you gonna use me today? God, what opportunities are there? God, I've got a lot going and I need to give that to you. And, and that is prayer. Prayer can happen while you're sitting in a deer blind, quiet in creation before God, prayer can happen when you're doing a puzzle or crocheting and your hands and your mind are occupied and, and, and your soul somehow through this physical occupation can, can go to God. Prayer can happen when we speak. Prayer can happen in silence. Prayer can happen while we're moving. And those of us who are a little ADHD need to occupy our body sometimes so our mind can be still. Prayer can happen in the morning or the evening. It can happen in five minute increments and it can happen over days. There's no wrong way to pray. What God wants is not the form, it's the heart. It's the people that say, I don't exactly have this figured out and I don't know exactly how this works, but God, I do want to know you. And I do have things I'm thankful for and I do have things I want to ask for because you ask us, you call us to, to ask things of you. That's the heart of prayer. And I do have things, God, I need to confess in my life where I've fallen short and I want forgiveness. And I think most of us, we have differing personalities and different things that make us us, and we will approach prayer in different ways. Silence is my probably native language of prayer. I don't talk a lot. I talk a lot all day long. I need to be quiet more and listen. I think in general, we should balance listening in prayer with talking in prayer. My wife, I think, is probably her prayer language more is writing, is journaling and, and getting her thoughts out that way. We can talk a lot, and I would love to offline more about the how. But as a primer there, 
take some pressure off. God desires you to come to him. Come to you, him as you were able. If you need some handholds, start with you know, like four things. Praise. What are you thankful for? I said this in a video we sent out this week. What are you thankful for? What is good in your life? What is good in the world that, that, that God has his hands on? Praise God for that. That's a good thing to start with. Petition. What are the burdens of your heart? What is wrong in our world that, that you wish God would act, that, that you want to bring before God the problems that are beyond our control, that we need God in? Confession. Where have you fallen short this week? And we all do. Where do you need forgiveness from God in your life? Nothing, I believe, motivates the spirit to move in the world like a spirit of confession, like people turning from God to God. And maybe try a little silence. We don't have much silence in our world. We need more of it. Silence cultivates the soul. So finally, we've done a little bit on what prayer is, on why pray, how to pray. What happens when we pray? What's your expectation when you pray? You know, the honest answer is often we don't see anything happen when we pray or we don't feel anything. I almost wrote in this that often nothing happens when we pray. I don't think that's true. I think God hears. And if God of the universe hears, then something has happened, friends. When we lift a prayer, that is a praise in and of itself. When we pray, it's an acknowledgement that there is a God. That is something that happens, friends. I think it's often that we don't recognize what has happened. And often we must add, we don't get what we want. And that feels like God has said no. But God is not a cosmic vending machine. If we could just say a right thing in a certain way and God would automatically do what he wants, that would not make God God. That would make God a magician. And God is far more than that. Prayer is not first and foremost about getting God to do what we want. And so it feels like often nothing happens in prayer. But here's what's actually happening. We pray and we praise and we petition and we confess and we sit and we listen and we add some scripture into that and we add some worship together as a family of God in that and we add a little bit of Bible study and a little bit of service into that and what is happening is slowly God may be answering, yes, we'll get to that in a minute, but what is happening is our heart is being shaped by the things of God and time with God to look less like our heart and more like the heart of Jesus. Prayer doesn't bend God to our will. Prayer bends our will and our heart to look more like Jesus over time. And you don't see it always on that Tuesday morning. <laughs> Or that Thursday rush into work where you have two minutes to pray between dropping off kids and being assaulted by everything on your to-do list that day. You only see it often by looking back. 
You don't even see it sometimes. Those closest to you see it. They notice the change when we pray and our life starts to bend toward the ark of God at work in the world. But you know what? Sometimes God does speak. And sometimes God does work. Mother Teresa felt like God was silent to her virtually her whole life, and yet she went on working. Martin Luther King Jr. felt God was silent to him, never spoke to him till very close to the end of his life, and the word was not something about what Martin, Dr. King was doing. It was, Martin, you are not alone. Sometimes God does speak. And if we were to tell the stories today, friends, we could fill this sanctuary, fill the day with the stories, and maybe that needs to happen. We will have a prayer time, a prayer evening in a couple weeks where we may do just some of that. But sometimes God does move and the world is never the same. Our lives are never the same. History and our lives, big and small, are shifted forever from those times when does God does speak. And sometimes it's the times when we don't feel God is speaking that prepares our hearts and cultivates our hearts to receive it when God does. I had about eight stories lined up to tell at this point, but that would put you into Sunday school hour, and I know all the teachers would be mad at me. So I'm going to limit it to one. At Truett, and it was hard to pick the one. At Truett, a few years ago, where I worked previously, we formed a Wesley House of Studies. John Wesley is the founder of the the Wesleyan movement, which is a diverse expression of Methodist churches around the world. And we were going to start training students for ministry from various Wesleyan traditions. And we were able to hire a man named Dr. William J. Abraham, who had retired from another seminary and agreed to come work at Truett. And if you're not Methodist, you don't know who Billy Abraham is. If you are Methodist, you love the guy. He's a professor of theology, has written the textbooks on so many things of Wesleyan theology. And he's he's an older man, this Irish brogue. He was fantastic. He was so much fun to get to know. And we would meet every couple weeks and talk about recruiting and how to form this new house of study within the seminary. And, you know, at a seminary, you you do pray a lot, but, but it's also a school. And so you're thinking about revenue streams and student streams. And a lot of our discussion is things like this. And then we would come to the end of the meeting and Billy would begin to pray. And you know, churches can become ends of themselves. Seminaries can become ends of themselves. Sometimes we can forget the end that we're all pointing to and Billy would pray for revival. And he didn't pray for revival hoping that it might happen. He prayed for revival knowing it would and asking in his 70s to stay alive, to be around for when it did. He had prayers just wandering in his, in his conversation about the when it would happen and where it would happen and God create the system for it to happen and God help us prepare students now that'll be ready to, to facilitate it when it does happen. He prayed knowing there was a historical certitude that God pours out his spirit in powerful and new ways on the world in response to God's people's prayers. It was amazing to sit and listen to Billy's prayer. Well, Billy passed away a couple years ago, or a year and a half ago, a very unexpected heart attack. God threw us all back. Early midweek, 
this week, I started hearing, uh, seeing on Facebook things about Asbury College. Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. It's attached to Asbury Seminary, largely a Wesleyan seminary of revival breaking out. And you hear things like that and you go, all right, what does that mean, revival broke out? They had a boring chapel service. Anybody went to a Christian college, you know, chapel services are generally fairly dull. And they asked for confession at the end unexpectedly. And revival broke out. They haven't stopped praying and worshiping in the five days since then. This looks like our size, right? That looks not dissimilar to the size of this room. People have been flocking from around the country to sit in on this. There's no plan. Now, I'm a planner, y'all. I'm worried about the Sunday school hour. I know we got Lord's Supper coming up. We got 14 minutes and 30 seconds left in this service. I'm a planner. There's no plan for this. There's no worship set for this. There was no scheduling of people to come in. We just hired a new professor at Truett. Truett just did from Asbury and he posted on this and he said, I went in and he said, I blacked out for 10 minutes. I zoned out. He said, it was like I walked in and was arrested from everything else going in my life and I came to sitting in this chair. He said, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. He put this on Facebook. He said, I have wanted nothing more than to sit for the rest of my life in that chair. He said it wasn't people swinging from the chandeliers and going wild. It was calm and it was peaceful. He said the spirit of God was there in a way somehow. How do we explain this? That was more. He said it felt like that scripture of touching the hem of Jesus' garment and I knew after an hour I had come so close to Jesus. It was time to step away and allow others to have my seat. And it's going and it's going and it's going. God does answer prayer. God does bring revival in God's time. God is active and at work. And friends, hear this very clearly. It will be through prayer that the future of this church springs. It will be through prayer and worship and times calling on God together that the future that holds and sprouts from the future of this church, and that's not just this church, this is all churches. If you've got things that are beyond you and you've got things bigger than you, if you've got things that are weighing you down and you've got anxieties, dealing with them is complicated and we'll call it, you know, it involves doctors and medicines and help and any number of things, but it begins in prayer. For ultimately, they're all things that God can heal. Church, may we be a people of prayer in your lives as a family and as individuals in our lives together as a church. May it be prayer first and last that cultivates healthy soil to receive the seeds God has to sow in this place. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.